you're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number five, four, zero. Hello and welcome back to another podcast here on the Outdoor Station. My last podcast contained sad news regarding the passing of my friend and regular podcast contributor Andy Howell. As many people know, he and I met in 2006 in Scotland on his first TGO Challenge crossing. A listener in Australia, Amory, contacted me this week with a lovely note asking to hear that 2006 crossing series which I thought was already in the podcast listing on the Actor Station. However, I realised in 2006 when I listened to it that it was badged under the backpackinglight.co.uk heading, which was probably the reason it didn't make it into the original Outdoors Station listing. Anyway, I thought, no matter. It's a fun series which contains my first meeting not only with Andy, but with Shirley Worrell, Lorraine McCall and Steve Perry, to name but a few, plus several other interviews I did during the crossing. Sadly, Steve and Andy and a few other voices are not the only people that are no longer with us. 2006 seems like a long time ago now, But the emotions and the whole challenge experience remain the same no matter the year you undertake it. So let's look back in time and enjoy. Hey, you're listening to One Man's Podcast Across Scotland. Raise yourselves! Backpackinglight.co.uk The UK's first outdoor podcasting show. Minimum weight. Maximum fun. Hello and welcome to this special Backpacking Light podcast 10-part series recorded as part of the 2006 TGO Challenge, sponsored by The Great Outdoors magazine and Berghaus. For those of you who don't know, the TGO Challenge is an organised walk which takes place in May of each year, from the west coast to the east coast of Scotland, which is approximately 200 miles. Set up in 1980, the framework and principle is totally unique. It isn't a race or a competition of any kind. The object is to foster good fellowship among walkers within the framework of a challenging expedition. The start consists of 12 sign-out locations on the west coast, from Torridon in the north down to Ardashaig in the south, and each challenger, solo or group, makes their way via a high route, low route or mixture of the two across Scotland to finish anywhere between Arbroath and Fraserburgh on the east coast. There's a set two-week window to do this in, and each participant submits their route for inspection prior to departure for safety and advice reasons. The places, however, are limited to 300, and details about the event, if you're interested, and entry forms and past diaries can be found in the October issue of TGO magazine. Each participant makes the challenge as easy or as hard as they wish. The extremes can be a solitary, remote route, sometimes not seeing another person for days on end, or a route which takes in the many social events, perhaps using established accommodation all the way. Most people do a mixture of the two in different forms. 
This year, I undertook the crossing with my wife Rose, from Lakailot to Dunatar Castle. As we went, I recorded this audio diary to try and capture the atmosphere and to share our experience and those of the many people we met en route. The 2006 TGO Challenge Part 1 Sadly, as you'll hear, I started this challenge with a heavy dose of flu, which lasted most of the trip, so I must apologise in advance for my voice at times. In this episode, it takes us from the train arriving at Lakailort to Saturday a.m. at Corrie Bothy, a distance of 16.8 kilometres, a climb of 847 metres and a descent of 819. We try and describe our surroundings, the gear that we're carrying, the first magic brew of the trip and that superb peace which can only be found in the wild places of Scotland.
So here we are, Friday morning, the 12th of May, 2006, and the start of this year's TGO Challenge. Uh, it's 7 o'clock, I'm uh, standing uh, just outside the uh, the bed and breakfast, just down the road from the uh, Lakailo Inn. Uh, the weather is um, it's dull, really, I suppose. Low cloud, uh, you can feel, you can probably hear a bit of a breeze uh, that's uh, blowing past here. A uh, solitary car comes down the road. The birds have been singing, the cuckoo's giving it, giving us his early morning tune. Uh, I'd say cloud is uh, is at about uh, two, three hundred metres. Uh, it's grey all over, bit of drizzle, nothing spectacular. Um, probably an ideal day to uh, to start going, really, because you'll soon be generating some heat, and um, it'd be much better to do that in a cooler day than a, than a hot day. So we're just going back to head down to Lock Isle or Inn and um, see the uh, the other sort of dozen or so people that are leaving from there, I suppose. Uh, I do apologise for the uh, for the sound of my voice the uh, the uh, for yesterday and probably the next couple of days. Bit of flu, which I'm trying to shake off. Hopefully, as we get into it, it'll it'll disappear and things will improve. Um, so we're going to head off and get going. Hasn't us uh, not much wind. I thought I'd record the first walking piece. So about half an hour now into the climb off the road from Loch Eilort up towards the path that goes over the top and down to Loch uh, Bjored. Um, it's uh, fairly mild, cloudy, good thick grey clouds but not threatening any rain yet. Um, so I suppose most people will be wondering first of all what we're actually carrying. Uh, Rose and I decided to carry a week's worth of food uh, so we're doing one drop which is at uh, Kingusi uh, and so according to the airport our bags collectively weighed 36 kilograms and I know that seven and a half K of that is actually uh, food sorry not 36 26 kilograms seven and a half K was food so in essence our base weights are uh, less than 10 K each which is pretty well what you'd want and uh, hope for on a trip like this as sadly you have to plan for the worst and hope for the best as everybody discovered yesterday when it was glorious sunshine and we were all stripping off on the train so uh, for the gear freaks let's get out of the way first uh, I've got some uh, Mendel uh, uh, fabric boots with Gore-Tex lining three pairs of sports wool hiking socks a pair of uh, carbon fibre walking poles which are a must on something like this um, uh, Terra pants Terra shorts in fact I'm Mr Montaigne man really uh, Terra pants, Terra shorts, pair of uh, Ron Hills uh, classics which are some of my sort of night time if I'm cold or dry trousers if I need them uh, tops I've got uh, Montaigne again Bionic T, which is this merino wool one, so I'm giving this one a blast. And then 
for a thicker layer long sleeve I've got the Sub-Zero Factor 1 uh, for again night times or if it's particularly cold uh, and I've got a Fontaine Featherlight shirt uh, Superfly jacket um, some Berghaus Packlight trousers and uh, sort of assorted hats, gloves um, and some uh, Packlight overmitts, Trekmate overmitts which are so small and light you lose them in the bag uh, what else? Gaiters, I'm not wearing any gaiters just yet because I know from the first uh, few days when you set off and get used to it the amount of heat your body gives off you really want to keep your feet as cool as possible so um, I'm not sticking them on until I really have to and so far the path is sort of a stream bed come a uh, bit of bracken, a bit of slush, a bit of mud but nothing that's going to swallow up boots and gets lots of crud in there so apart from this flu feeling pretty good so I can't work out whether I feel hot and clammy because I'm lugging this weight or uh, it's the germs so if Glenn Van Pesky's listening sorry mate I'm not doing it with a one little plastic bag that does everything uh, try as I might I can't quite get the base weight down below 9.5k for these sort of conditions and to be fair the humidity is quite high so you've always got that problem oh yeah tent uh, we've got uh, a Solar 2 Terranova Solar 2 uh, which we're sharing obviously um, I chucked away those stupid carbon pegs and replaced them with some titanium ones carbon pegs are just deadly they just burst a hole in anything and also I'm reluctant to believe they hold on to the, uh, the guys very well um, a couple of Alpkit Pipe Dream 600s which I know are a kilo each and we could go lighter but after last year and minus five I decided that a little bit of comfort's a good thing and to be fair there's such bloody good value for money uh, and they've got neck baffles which to me is the most important part about keeping warm at night uh, then I've got uh, I've got the new Berghouse, uh, not Berghouse, uh, Montaigne Kinetic shirt, which is supposed to be for sort of uh, sports work, but it's it's like a power power stretch uh, Polar Tech, but with uh, some reflective bits on it and uh, some uh, webbing down the the underarms and the sides, and it's extremely tailored and fits very well. I've got quite taken a fancy to it actually, so that's given a good blast this time. And then my ultimate insulation layer is my beautiful Clatamunts and Live smock, which crunches down into the size of a tin of beans and weighs nothing. Rose has got the uh, Go Light Down jacket in cola because it's a lovely colour, uh, and that too crunches down into next to nothing. Uh, what else? We're sleeping on Thermarest. Pro Light 3 shorts. Uh, basically, although the uh, torso light pad is adequate for the job, uh, we just wanted a little bit of comfort and something we could clip together to give us a decent size mattress be between us as we you know, might have a romantic moment or two. So uh, that's that. 
We've got a couple of tea light mugs and a couple of MSR titanium mugs. So we're cooking in the tea lights um, and as Rose is with me this time, we've dehydrated a lot of uh, puddings. So one's doing pud, the other's doing the main course, and of course the mug's doing drinkies. Uh, and as such, one of us has got a peak ignition, the other one's got the uh, Vargo tea light uh, stove, jet stove, jet tea stove they call it. And a couple of gas cinders, which we'll replace uh, in Kangusi. A uh, couple of sporks, uh, sort of the usual stuff, wash kit, micro towels. Anything else, Rose? First aid kit, yeah. We've got uh, one decent one and a extra ones. And of course now I've got a load of flipping strepsils and lem sips as well. Um, uh, toilet trowel. Oh yeah, the uh, agonise this time. Oh, whether to take a bivy bag, a bothy bag, or a uh, 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 tinfoil emergency blanket. So what we did, we, uh, bivy bags are great, I think, if you're using them for camping. And if you, you have to take an emergency bag for some reason. But from last year's experience, when the weather had really turned nasty, all you wanted to do was get out of the cold wind and ice. And uh, particularly when, it's okay doing river crossings when it's glorious sunshine, but when it's sleet, it's a whole different psychological battle. So uh, we decided on the body bag and uh, I cut off all the extra tabs because we're using the body bag for three things. Partly as a emergency shelter, uh, should we need to do that and I say the weather's those sort of conditions. Partly to sit on and lie on in the sunshine when we decide to have a brew stop. Um, partly as a um, footprint underneath the tent, should we need to, that's quite useful. And then it occurred to us today that should we have any situations where we uh, the river's a bit dodgy, we might put both rucksacks inside the body bag, tie it up, and then drag it across the river if we have to swim for it. It's a bit on the deep side. Basically anything above waist deep. Because you've got, you've got your rucksack on, it's going to get wet anyway. Um, and we were expecting a lot more rain. Well, it's be a lot wetter up here. Certainly from the weather reports and the, the weather we've been watching just lately. And uh, it's actually, at the moment, touch wood, very dry. Uh, we're almost at the top of the climb now and uh, looking back I can see a couple of challenges in the distance a couple coming up the road at a late start and I've just seen a few disappear over the top there I think we're all sort of aiming for this same first night tonight at the end of Loch Boraid or possibly over the next ridge before we sort of all diverse and go different ways uh, but that's about it really uh, What's Rose wearing? Rose has also got the Mendel boots. She loves those, very light, very comfortable. We've both incidentally moved on from leather boots now, just purely because the the heat they generate. And in these sort of conditions, you don't need them. 
Uh, a lot of people this year notice wearing the Innovates. Chris Townsend has got a lot to answer for. Uh, a lot of people on the train showing great pleasure in that's all they were wearing and taking a pair of seal skins with them for the river crossing. So be interesting to see how they get on. Rose has got Terra Pants, Infinity T, uh, sorry, Bionic T, um, Superfly jacket. What shorts have you got, Rose? Shorts. They bought some shorts in town the other day. Uh, some North Face shorts, I think they are. And then she's taking several layers because she's a cold fish. So she's got a few thin layers. Uh, some smart wool. Is it some crack hopper you've got there? Uh, and anyway, her lot's in a Z pack, Gregory Z pack. And mine is in uh, the Go Light Trek, uh, which is a 65 litre. Uh, and it all sits in there quite happily. In fact, the stuff that takes the space up is a flaming food. And it's certainly the heaviest too. And finally, sorry for this long monologue, but finally, on the food front, we've really dried everything we possibly can this year. Uh, we've got, uh, every meal is a dried meal virtually. So we need to stop at some stage to reconstitute that. Put the water in there and get it going. Um, the, the heavy stuff is the dried fruit, the gorp, peanuts and chocolates and sort of bits in there. Uh, big pardon? Oh yes. And last year a chunk of boiled fruitcake was just gorgeous for a cup of tea. So we've got a brick. At least I've got the brick. Uh, everything else is, you know, what do you expect? Pasta and smash and that sort of stuff. But I'm carrying most of the food just to uh, make it easier for Rose to get used to the to the pack really. But uh, of course the first rule is the heaviest thing gets eaten first. And as soon as we start uh, getting hungry in an hour or so's time, I'm sure we'll have a go at that. Can you look back at that view, Rose? Isn't that great? So the clouds are about 400 metres at the moment. It's just uh, very calm, very still. Great. Loving it. Loving it. Now you've got to admit that's the best sound of all, is the, is the first brew of the trip. So Rosie and I have uh, got over the first climb and down to the uh, the end of Loch um, BRA. Uh, there's a little boathouse here which is just out of the wind, so we're nestled up leaning against the boathouse, staring out a quite a pleasant view really. Uh, and brewing our first cup of tea, which is uh, always the best, best one of the trip, just like the first whiskey when we get round to doing that. I think probably uh, thinking about the only gear stuff that we didn't mention on our um, uh, bit earlier on was um, we've got some small canoe shoes rather than sandals for, for river and stream crossings because we find they, they're a lot lighter than sandals and they, they dry a lot quicker. But of course the downside is if you need to air your feet and, and it's really warm, sandals are much better and these are on that sweaty side if you want to wear them in camp in the evenings. But on the whole the weather generally isn't that warm anyway. 
So, uh, so that's it. So Rosie, you know, first couple of hours, we've uh, now climbed the, uh, done the first climb and we're obviously going to enjoy our first brew. What do you think? Yeah, it's been good. Good climb and uh, looking for the path and watching your footing and all sorts of different uh, things to look out for. Everything's a bit later up here, so it's nice to see all the bluebells and violets and primroses again, which uh, we've had down south already. Beautiful views. I have to keep stopping and looking. It's uh, so still and peaceful. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice day. And how you found the pack and the, the carrying the weight? Do you? Uh... Yeah, it's, it, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. She said. Um, and hopefully, as we eat more, it'll get lighter. <laughs> so a big meal tonight, then? I think so. Oh, well, we'll enjoy this brew, and then we'll, uh, we'll stop at the other end of the lock and have some lunch. I think. True to say, we've just experienced one of the most magical moments, which to many, myself included, this is what the challenge is all about. We've uh, made it to the end of uh, Loch Beared. It wasn't much of a, um, a, a trial, it was uh, fairly easy going. Uh, usual sort of, uh, you, you find the trail, you lose the trail, um, stones and stuff. But being a fairly dry day and uh, the, the land well drained, there was not much slushy stuff to have to go to. But we got to the far end. And there's a couple of, oh, well, it be. There was a couple of beaches, or there is a couple of beaches at the far end, one of which is a sort of a, a shingle beach, and the other one is a, um, is a sand beach, would you believe? So we're just around the corner from that, and um, I think I might change this podcast to 101 things you can do with a body bag. So we pulled the body bag out, because the wind's fairly chilled, and, and uh, it's enough to um, make you feel uncomfortable and keep moving. And uh, we've just gone round the corner, pulled the body bag out, turned it on its side, and we're sitting in it at the moment. And lo and behold, the sky's changed from grey clouds, and there's hardly a cloud in the sky. It's absolutely glorious. The sun's beating down, so much so that we were actually wondering where we put the suntan lotion. Unbelievable. Um, we've been, that's probably about six hours, six, seven hours into it now. We haven't been pushing it very hard, um, as it's day one, and also not feeling 100%, so we're taking our time. Uh, we just had lunch and a brew. Uh, lunch consisted of a, a tortilla wrap and um, some uh, tuna with the twists, which uh, I discovered last year, and it works really well as a different type of lunch rather than trying to do a noodles thing. Uh, we've got our dried food out, which is for tonight, and we've um, cut the tops off that, off the plastic bags, and um, put the water in there and put that in the Nalgene pot, so that'll be reconstituted in about two or three hours' time. Incidentally, for those who uh, who don't know, what we've done with all our food this year, I think I mentioned it on the way up, but I'll just re- just remind you, was um, we've dried it, we've got a food dehydrator, so we've been cooking meals and drying them as sort of, um, uh, well, we'll explain as we go along, really, but uh, tonight's pen- menu is chilli chickpeas, so it's a sort of tomato, chilli uh, and uh, chickpeas uh, sauce, which has been dehydrated and reduces to next to nothing, and uh, we'll be adding some pasta to that, which is also sauce that we've um, dehydrated Dehydrated. Uh, sorry, we've cooked it first and then dehydrated it because it actually reconstitutes much faster than cooking it from fresh. Um, and then we found uh, on online uh, Toshibo, uh, dot co uk um, had the vacuum packer. Uh, the vacuum packers are normally sort of um, oh, I don't know 100 quid, 99 pounds, but these ones were um, were dirt cheap at 15 pounds. So 
Um, we uh, we bought one and recommended it to other people on OM, who uh, I think bought the rest of the stock by the looks of it, um, and vacuum packed all the food. Uh, so we made sort of custom made bags really. So um, that's how it works. So we cut the we vacuum pack the food, I cut the top off the bag, and then fill it full of water, shove it in an algae pot, and away we go. Uh, so now it's uh, a case of dragging ourselves away from this uh, sunshine and this lovely spot. We've got views straight down the lock. It's absolutely glorious. And the silence is just incredible. Not a, not a noise. No planes. Just the occasional bird singing and uh, a cuckoo as it flies over. But we're uh, going to head up over the pass now and uh, hopefully catch up with the rest of the guys who I believe are sort of camped up around Glenfinnan. So it's about, uh, I think, about a five or seven kilometre uh, trip. It's about um, two, three kilometres um, uphill I think uh, I haven't looked at the map for a minute I'll do that in a second and then the rest of it is just following the trail down to uh, the confluence of the of the rivers and I believe there's probably going to be a good uh, uh, 10 um, challenges around that area so we'll see if we can catch up with them and see how their first day was but I have to say I'm really reluctant to move from here absolutely fabulous It's uh, the morning of Saturday the 12th. Um, I meant to uh, do a recording last night, but to, to be fair, I was in such a state um, that I couldn't, which I will explain. Um, it was a, a fair walk yesterday, uh, about, I don't know, 20-odd K, and um, the last little report I did from Loch Beared uh, was beautiful, lovely and sunny. And then we went up Glen Don, and um, uh, we met a couple of guys uh, here at the Bothy, uh, who'd also uh, gone that way, and it's uh, it was a nice day. So to be fair, it wasn't it wasn't unpleasant and wet and slushy and, and all the rest of it. Uh, but the glen it gets very very steep and very very dodgy in places, uh, and uh, you've really got to cling to the side with your fingertips to um, to get through certain areas of it. Um, but we managed to to get to the top of there. But sadly, the um, the way I was feeling with this blasted flu uh, had caught up with me, and I was in a right state. Uh, just really, really shattered. Anyway, we uh, we battled on and uh, got down to Corrie Hully Bothy uh, around 8pm last night, which was about um, a ten and a half hour day, but that was including sort of two cup half hour stops for, for brews and, and something to eat. Uh, and we arrived at the Bothy to find two marks, also, also challenges that started from Luck Island, and we'd seen them in the distance. And one of the marks had uh, pulled, his, pulled a muscle in his leg going up... Um, uh, Glen Don, and he was—he wasn't in a bad way, but he'd certainly hurt himself. It was that steep. Um, at what stage? Apparently, uh, he was negotiating some of the tricky rocks uh, and uh, held onto a branch of a tree, and the whole thing came down. And the other mark was just standing underneath him, trying to catch him, which uh, would have uh, been a, an interesting moment. Um, we got to the, uh, as I say, we got to the body, uh, and there was a, a Belgian guy there with an enormous rucksack it must have been a hundred hundred litre rucksack um, and uh, we found out he was in the uh, in the Belgian army and he'd borrowed some equipment from the the army and he'd got a solo tent which weighed four kilo and we all looked at each other and went haven't you heard of the lightweight movement uh, what was his name 
Thomas. Thomas. Uh, and then um, as we were sort of having something to eat and, and uh, sort ourselves out, um, the uh, another couple, Scott's couple, arrived for a, for a long weekend or a weekend. They, they just thought they'd head out a bit earlier. Uh, and they were interesting because they'd... Um, they brought, uh, let's think, fire lighters and, and matches, which is, makes sense. And they'd obviously brought a bit of camping gear, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they also brought this very large inflatable double mattress, which was getting interesting. Um, and then we found out they brought some scented candles as well. So uh, once again, we all looked at each other and wondered if we perhaps should leave them to it or, or share the body. So... Um, it was a, an interesting moment, and obviously it's nice to see that uh, people are using the bodies for all sorts of things these days. Uh, but anyway, we, we chose to pitch outside and, and sorted ourselves out, and as I say, here we are in the morning now. The sun's just coming th- through the, uh, the door of the tent, um, and uh, we're enjoying the first brew of the day. Uh, on to Kingreep Breek body today. We were going to go a bit further, but uh, make it a, uh, a bit of an easier day today. Um, and... Uh, and uh, yeah, enjoy the moment. The sun is is high. It's up. The sky is blue. There's a couple of fluffy clouds, and that's it. Fantastic. The stream's flowing. It's not wet at all. Um, we're um, we're looking forward to another really really good day. That's the end of part one. In part two, we make our way down to Kingbreak Bothy to find Steve Perry, Lorraine McCall, Shirley Worrell, Tony Hardman and Graham and Gavin Thompson. Join us next time to hear their stories, how their first day went, and they tell us all about their experiences so far in this lovely, quiet Bothy. Hey, you're listening to One Man's Podcast across Scotland to be continued very soon. Backpackinglight.co.uk Go lighter, go faster. To subscribe to our show, please follow the instructions on our website or search for us in the iTunes directory. Thank you and good night. Oh, that was good. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear or see more from our extensive free library, please visit theoutdoorsstation.co.uk.